Welcome to another episode of Earl Tom's podcast. Today I want to talk about relationships, how they can benefit you, and how your how your planning directly affects some of your successes and some of your failures because it's it's something that you know we we don't really think about in terms of the ways that we need to think about them. I'll give, you know, some examples in this episode of, of what can happen um, if we don't plan accordingly, how to avoid them. Um, so to start with, let's, let's think about relationships. A lot of people think about the relationships of, you know, their buyers. And that's, that's not a, that's not a bad, bad way to think about it because your buyers are the ones that, you know, provide you the ability to pay your bills every month, you know, keep the doors open and give you a, the opportunity to have a successful business. The, the issue that a lot of people have, and, and I've been guilty of this, I'm still guilty of it, um, but it's you, you kind of get a tunnel vision when you get a, get a buyer that, you know, will basically buy anything that you give them. The buyer that becomes the, the easiest one to sell things you find yourself getting a little lazy instead of nurturing the other relationships. You just keep going towards that one buyer. But, you know, if anything over the past year and a half has taught us something, it's that nothing is certain. So what would happen if that buyer became, you know, they something in the office happened, they had to shut down, they didn't buy as many. Where's your Where's your income gonna gonna come from if if that happens? And when I learned this lesson years ago, um, it was 2008 to 2010. I don't remember the exact year, but I was appraising at the time, and I was you know flipping a house here or there. Nothing, you know, it wasn't my main source of income, but. When I was appraising, we were hit. We we were going through the foreclosure crisis, and there were a lot of banks and mortgage companies going out of business, consolidating, being taken over. Um, and I remember one morning going to the office and getting a call from someone that worked at at a company called AmeriQuest. Well, I was doing pretty much every appraisal that that AmeriQuest would send in my market. Um, I think I was doing somewhere between 20 and 25 residential appraisals for them every single month. Um, so it, it, it was a large chunk of my money and, and I had it basically so good that they could call and say, Hey, I need this back tomorrow. And I'd say, okay, here's a $150 rush fee or whatever I wanted to put on top of it to get it back to them tomorrow because I had to put others, you know, I had to push those back. And I wound up, what wound up happening was, is when the market collapsed, basically a sheriff in every city that AmeriQuest operated in showed up to their offices and told them to leave. They couldn't take anything with them. They couldn't do anything. All their per they had to come back for their personal belongings they were actually just being shut down with no prior notice whatsoever. 
And AmeriQuest was about 75% of my residential business. So when I get this phone call that says, hey, I don't know what's going on, but we were just escorted out of the office by the sheriff. Um, you start calling around, you start hearing, you know, certain things. <clears throat> so what wound up happening is, is AmeriQuest goes out of business. They get sued for predatory lending. A lot of the people that work for AmeriQuest go to jail because they were doing things, you know, falsifying documents, pay stubs, this and that to get loans to, to go through. And once this happened, I mean, in a blink of an eye, like I said, 75% of, of my appraisal business is, is out of the window. And this pretty much accounted for about $10,000 a month um, worth of business that I was doing. So I went from basically making between fifteen twenty thousand dollars a month appraising down to you know five to ten thousand. So I mean it took a a decent chunk out of out of my business. I still had a little bit of the commercial you know that I was doing. So the income wound up being you know fifty seventy five percent, but. The overall residential side of it was, you know, like I said, around 75%. So I went from, you know, good money every single month to now kind of in a, in a panic, anxiety, thinking, what am I going to wind up doing now? I basically had to go back to those clients that I didn't serve as well because of the business AmeriQuest was sending and rebuild those relationships, basically walk in, you know, no leverage whatsoever. I'm sorry. You know, can can you can you ever forgive me type scenario? And it and it wasn't a very pleasant time, but it was a very humbling time because they all you always hear, don't put all of your eggs in one basket. And that is true in any business. They always say diversify so that you're covered you know i'm not saying have multiple streams of income or you know things like that but you have to diversify your ways of doing business and when you come in as far as wholesaling you look at things like let's like i said before you have this one buyer that will basically buy everything that you know that that you send them but let's just say that for some reason they made terrible investments and their money stream, their source that they were getting their money from dried up. And you may experience some of that, you know, in the near future, if banks consolidate, you know, do, do something similar to what happened back in the foreclosure crisis. So this, this buyer, let's say, is, is used to being able to just run out to Corvest, for example and get whatever money they want whenever they want it they don't have to worry about it but now all of a sudden values have started to to go down the return on the investment started to go down their books don't look as good so now they have to scrutinize every single loan that they do again and it's not you know passing out money as freely to all of their investors so does this investor go from you know, for example, saying I have a, a million dollar line of credit to now only have 500,000 because I was just buying to buy or I wasn't buying the right way or I wasn't doing this. 
because you're going if when the market starts to go down you're going to see this because there's a lot of investors out there that have been buying just to buy so what a lot of people think is as far as this eviction moratorium is concerned they're trying to blame blackrock and everyone else you know the hedge funds about this but what they what they're not actually thinking about is even companies like blackrock have gone without rent on some of their properties so when they can actually evict these these tenants they've had this missed money that from the tenants that didn't pay so now they actually have to go in and renovate these houses to get them rented again but when the market starts to go down let's say that they were renting a house for fifteen hundred dollars but now that house only rents for a thousand dollars so they have the money that they missed that they were basically counting on to be able to go through so when a tenant moves out you know they've got that that income they can just turn around and use it for the renovation to get another tenant in so now the money that they were counting on on some of these properties are not is not going to be there so they're going to have a higher expense versus their revenue because the money they missed now they have to give more money out of pocket to be able to renovate these houses and then wind up taking less in rent to be able to get these rented so they're let's you know let's say that their overall debt to income things like that were you know they they were showing a 15 percent net return a 10 percent net return whatever that may be so depending on how their overall portfolio looks and how many tenants that they didn't have pay versus how much money they're going to have to spend out of pocket and then even the, the current houses if a tenant says I'm paying $1,500, but there's a rental that's basically a street over that I can go get for $1,000. You're going to wind up seeing a mass exodus because we're going to wind up being in a race to the bottom because a lot of people are going to think to themselves, I can get the exact same house or something very similar for $500 less. So why am I going to stay? That winds up being $6,000 a year that somebody can save. So if they pay a moving company two, three thousand dollars, they still save three or four thousand dollars. So it's it's a it's what I always go back to the principle of substitution. So what I want you to everyone to understand is is it's okay to have that main client. Send that main client, you know, the, the deals that you get, but never get lazy enough to where that's all that goes through your mind because you're gonna wind up getting caught. If something happened and I'm not saying something is gonna happen but in the event something does happen where are you gonna look to get your income because now you've got to go back in those those relationships that you should have been nurturing the ones that were actually buying the properties right and you may have not made as much money off of your deals they're still out buying because they bought right not just to buy and overpay so now they're still able you know say with the Corvest example again, Corvest looks at them and goes, and you're solid. You can still have as much money as you want to. But another investor that was just buying to buy goes, eh, you were, you were kind of making some, some questionable decisions with what you were buying. So we need to see you build this back up and get it, get it back to the way it should be before we give you that full amount again. So it's going to wind up hurting your business what's happening now 
<clears throat> and one reason that I say that it is, you know, it's, it's, a, it's definitely a possibility is with everything that's going on now in the world, because you like right now, I've got one of my main clients that I've worked with for years, and I pretty much, I can just pick the phone up and call them and say, hey, I've got a deal. You know, do you want to you wanna fund this or do you want to buy it? They do either or. Um, and he's sitting there right now with the virus. So what happens business-wise if that situation changes? Now, I'm doing everything in my power. I'm praying every day, every night, because this is actually a very a very respectable a guy of integrity that you know he comes out of this virus you know unscathed um but it's a possibility he's 68 years old so he's in an at-risk group and even yesterday my aunt that was 80 years 80 something years old was fully vaccinated but she wound up getting it and passing away so right now there's just an uncertainty with everything in the world, you look at what's going on overseas, there, there's an uncertainty and nervous feeling. So what I want everyone to kind of do is just reevaluate your standing, where your business is. If, if this client was unable to buy tomorrow, what would your business look like? What would you do? If, say, this company take yellow letters HQ for example they're raising the the postage if they wind up going out of business because they have to charge too much for the postcards where do you turn for your marketing do you you know go and test out another company where is your next revenue stream coming from is it protected is it insulated from these outside forces that you cannot control and how are you planning for it so you always have the plan a and you have the plan b sometimes you actually even need a plan c so you have to you have to actually think about it in terms of what is best for me we all get in this business and we make friends we have very close acquaintances and there's nothing wrong with that but you always have to sit there and think of business first when that's the actual relationship. You can, if, if you've got someone in your life that you do business with, but outside, if, if y'all never did business again, you would be friends, go you know, share beers, barbecues, you name, watch, watch sports, that's fine. But in some ways you're counting on that business, that revenue from that, that person. So what happens if, if that's no longer there? That's all I'm trying to get across to everyone because it can happen. It, it happened to me when I was appraising and I learned right then never to repeat it. You don't put your eggs in one basket because when that basket drops, how are you gonna pay your bills? You have to go, and it's not a scenario of, okay, well, I'll just move back over to these clients and this and that. That's, that's not how it works. So don't in any ways think that. I've had clients before in, in real estate that, you know, hey, I know I'm gonna be able to sell this property to them or 
five properties to them, whatever it may be, and then all of a sudden they can't buy for whatever the reason. That's happened to every single one of us when you've been in this business long enough. But you have to be able to, to get rid of your product, and your product is the service of providing houses. You have to be able to move from one to the other without missing a beat. So it, it may seem like the right thing to do, but it's short-sighted if all you're doing is sending your properties and your deals to specific buyers. Sometimes it, it's good to take a hit and send it to a, a client, you know, a buyer that doesn't always buy everything, some they've backed out on or whatever it may be, but you've got to be able to build that relationship because one of the reasons that they that they may back out is because they don't feel a loyalty to you. So the only way that you can overcome that is to build that relationship because if they get to the point to where they don't want to let you down, they're going to work harder to get that deal from you. If they put it under contract, they're going to work harder to go ahead and keep their word and get that deal from you because they don't want to let you down because they, you, you've established that relationship with them. And in all honesty, who cares if your main buyer doesn't get a deal or two every now and then because it's, it's good to have plan B and sometimes plan C. You never get away from your bread and butter, but you've also got to be able to have your eggs and everything else. It, it's just a way of doing business. When you look at this past year and a half, the reason that these big corporations succeeded is because they had the ability to transition into a more online or, or whatever whatever they did. But when you look at these, you know, these local restaurants, for example, they weren't prepared to make the transition to be able to keep their doors open. They were stuck and they've had a lot of people they've had a lot of them go out of business because they didn't plan for the unexpected. It's not their fault. Don't in any ways think I'm saying it's their fault. It's, it's just one of those things that being good at business, you're not always looking at the here and now. You're looking a month in, a, in the future, six months, a year, five years. You have to be able to see what's just ahead to be able to kind of guide your business. That's the vision that you have to have for your business or it's not going to work. It's it's hard to do because life is uncertain. We don't know what, you know, is going to happen tomorrow. You know, a lot of people will laugh. They say, you know, if, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. I mean, and that whether you believe or not is not the not the issue but it's it's just a saying that a lot of people have have heard over the years they also have that graph that they'll show the picture to where what someone thinks you know an entrepreneur or business owner's life looks like to get to success it's basically just a chart going straight up and then they say this is what it really looks like and it's a bunch of circles the whole way through 
That, that's just true. But what everyone is missing out of that picture that's got a bunch of circles in it is the simple fact that there's still an arrow that's coming out of all of those circles and it's higher than where it was before it entered any of those circles. The reason that it's higher and it's still there is because that person had a plan B, a plan C, a plan D. Ever how many plans it had to, they had to have, they had them and they're still going. But the people that don't plan like that are the people that wind up going out of business, whether it was something they can control or not. Not a single one of us could control what's happened over the last year and a half. It, that's, that's just a fact. There's no reason, you know, to look at anybody like that. But what it does is it provides opportunities. You can sit there, especially in real estate, you know, it doesn't really matter what, <clears throat> what it is right now. It's a lot of it's about to be for sale because you can't keep going and then once the market kind of starts consolidating as far as the lending that's available, government starts taking back some of the programs. So the, the money is not freely flowing like it was. You're going to find out who had, a, who had the plan B's and C's and who just had a plan A because when it dries up, it's over for them. It's, so it's, it's going to create opportunities in real estate. And you're going to see a lot of a lot of properties available. Um, I actually had a conversation with someone the other day that, that basically told me they were fixing to start looking in to like farmland because of everything that that this last year and a half has shown them, as far as you know the supply chain issues, being able to get you know chicken, meat, whatever it may be. They said they, that something inside of them told them it's, it's, it's better to become more self-sufficient and be able to provide that as a business to a local community or something like that. And when they were, when they were telling me this, it, it made a, a lot of sense. And you see... You know, even Bill Gates, for example, I think he owns 140, 150,000 acres of farmland. There's, you know, whether you say that's that's coming or not, it, it's an idea to think about. You don't want to necessarily be the one that that doesn't do it. But, you know, if 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 we're going to be in this situation for, you know, another six months, another five years, where is your ability to provide for yourself going to come from. And it's, and it's almost a situation when they were telling me about this farmland that, you know, if, if I have to go to the store and I see a steak that used to be $10 is now $25, does it make sense for me to go and keep buying the $25 steak or go buy some land and have some cows? You, you you have to weigh what's what's better, what's coming, kind of predict the future, and do what's best for you. So it's it, it, there there's a lot of things that are that are involved, but having the having just the plan A is not gonna get you very far. It's 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 difficult to to overcome because it just 
knowing you've got a buyer out there that is going to basically buy everything that you show them, it's hard to pull back from that because you sit there and you think, oh, I can make this money. I can do this. I can do this. And it, and it, it just gives the wrong projection for your business in the event something happens. So what I want everyone to take from this episode is make sure that you're planning accordingly for what you, your own opinion, right or wrong, whether I agree or disagree, it doesn't matter. Whatever your opinion of what is going to come in the next six months, a year, five years, you need to do that for yourself to be able to survive, have a successful business, and keep a roof over your head with the doors to your business open because something is going to change. It's, it's, this, it's the same saying, change is inevitable. The only thing that's constant is every one of us is going to die at some point. So you have to look at it right now in if we know change is inevitable, what's the change going to look like in the short term and in the long term? How is what's going on right now going to shape that future? So have that plan A, plan B. And at this point, because of so much uncertainty, it's probably not a bad idea to even have a plan Z. It could get to that point. So it's important to actually cover all of your bases and have a contingency plan across the board. But make sure right now you're nurturing those relationships because if the market does start to fall, you're going to have a lot more supply on the market. So you're, go you're going to need to have additional buyers and clients that'll help make you money. So if you take it right now to start nurturing those relationships that you haven't been for a little while, when the market starts to go down, that'll actually benefit you then. So with this episode, like I said, make sure that you're taking from it, have as many plans and contingencies as you can come up with to know where your business is going to go if this happens so you're not stuck and, and you're not having to go out there and basically start all over again and rebuild your business because you didn't have a contingency in case this happened. With that, we're going to draw this episode to a close. I hope you've been, uh, enjoyed listening. We'll see you again in a, in a couple of weeks.